to the asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. That's right. Thank you, Mark LeMay, and uh, welcome back to the asylum. One more time, I'm actually not in studio by myself. And Mr. Fliegel will be running in from the control room. You know, if Alejandro was here, you know, to try our first try at video, which, of course, you know, it'll get a little better if he's actually here to run the camera while Jarhead runs in front of the camera to get back (laughs) into the studio. It's a long run. You can see how long I'm here on camera it took me to get over here, Rick. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. it, Quite frankly, it was exhausting, and I don't care for it one bit. No, it's exercise, and you do not agree with exercise. not really my thing, I have to But, hey, I'm Rick Briggs. Rick Flager. Indeed. Indubitably, as they would say. This is the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show here on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com, at Asylum Football on Twitter, asylumfantasysports.com. Second show of the week, Rick, got more division previews going on, draft season. I don't want to say it's in full effect. It's about to kick off real quick here. Yeah, it really is. We're going to wrap up previewing some of our divisions. We actually did the – NFC North last week, and we were running short of time, so very quickly I am going Green Bay, Detroit, Minnesota, Chicago. Yeah, I think so. Minnesota always intrigues me. You feel like they should be better, right. as good as that defense is, and if Dalvin Cook's what I think he is, and if a number two wide receiver can emerge there, there's a possibility they could overtake Detroit, oh, who's just perpetually disappointing. Again, Detroit on paper looks like – but nobody's competing with Green Bay this season, I can't imagine. I think Chicago's just too far behind. They're, I think they're going to be better. They're not going to be the embarrassment they were last year. but Chicago could be one of these division deciders. Could be, you yeah. Know, playing Detroit and Minnesota it during the season, obviously, twice. And – you know, if they start clicking a little bit with Glennon and Meredith, as we mentioned, they can knock one of these guys off. It's, it's very well possible. So, be interesting to see. So, before we get into the division previews, Rick, no headlines tonight. Don't want to mess with that. We want to leave time for these divisions. I'm just curious early on. You know, historically, you especially, and I along with you, have been the, you know, running back early and often type of guys in draft. I begrudgingly in the last couple of years started subscribing in these PPR leagues like the Caveman League has started subscribing to sort of the Dennis Farrell line of thinking for, for lack of a better way to put it as far as you know, getting those top-notch wide receivers early, they're more bust. What do they? I guess the buzzword for it was zero RB, which I don't know because I still would take one in the fourth round or something, so I don't know if I qualified under the zero RB purview. But now that seems to be switching back a little bit. There's different lines of thoughts. As you sit here now, if the caveman draft was tomorrow, okay. I'm just curious what your overall strategy is going to be. I know that's sort of a heavy-handed question. It's a lot of it depends on what happens in front of you. I get all that. But if it went perfectly your way, what's your strategy early on going into the, your big biggest draft of the well, year? Well, since I am at the number 10 slot, if it goes perfectly my way, Le'Veon Bell will <laughs> drop to 10 and I'll take him. I don't think that's, that's going to happen. No, though, Rick. okay. No, I mean, realistically, I would like to see a running back drop to me that I would like. Uh, you know, it depends on who it is. I'm not really tipping my hand, I guess, to who it might be. But 
it's hard to pass up a top-notch wide receiver sitting at right. 10 knowing in what? 11, 12, four more picks. I've got I've got another one coming back. Yeah. So, so I get the, I'm going to get a running back one of those two picks yeah. minimum. It depends on who's there, obviously, if I get two. Because there's a, there is a plethora of wide receivers out there. Right. And But I – you know, I hate to give up on one of these elite wide receivers as well, especially in a PPR format. So, I will probably say that my odds are very good to have a one-in-one ratio between wide receiver and running back, unless it just goes wacky and there's two of something that I really want. Right, right. Yeah, so I'm looking at it. I'm picking two, obviously. I've talked about it a few times on this show. I think unless he's still holding out on August, what, 25th? Is that when we're holding the draft or 24th, yep. whenever we're holding 25th. it? 25th. Unless he's still holding it, out, holding out at that point or unless somehow uh, Finkelstein takes somebody goofy ahead of me at number one, I think I'm going to walk out of the first round with Le'Veon Bell. I think if you could do this, I think it's going to be Le'Veon Bell, then zero RB strategy for me after that. As I look at the ADP, what what I find interesting, this is why I brought this up, I let let you give your strategy just to set me up because that's what a good broadcaster does when he wants to talk about himself. I make you feel involved, Rick. I I I don't feel involved because as soon as you mention yourself, I just turn (laughs) off because I could care less. I believe that. (laughs) But it is weird. So we have that top, you know, eight or nine – Running backs, I feel really good about going, getting down into your Jordan Howard and your uh, Ajayi. Ajayi. Right? That that's sort of where it ends to me. Then we get into Fournette. Fournette might leap up into Melvin that Gordon. if I if I see him. Well, Gordon's ahead of that. I'm just basing okay. this on ADP. So your top nine or ten. Then when we get to Lamar Miller, Marshawn Lynch, Crowell, McCaffrey, right. Montgomery, Mixon. These guys are maybe around at the end of the second round, beginning of the third round for me, where I'm picking at two overall. These guys all have a ton of question marks for me. Whereas if you look at the IDP of the wide receivers, there's about nine guys that are going to be around there that I'm going to have a difficult time choosing from. So I think my strategy there is going to be I'm going to get Bell, I'm going to lock that position up. And then I'm going to take a running back nap for a long time. Because if I'm going to have questions at running back, Rick, I'll wait around to these guys. You know, look at these lists in the eighth round. Terrence West, Kareem Hunt, Jaquiz Rogers, who I think when we get to the NFC South preview, I'm going to talk about him a lot. You know, Rob Kelly, James White, Matt Forte. There are guys down there going to be around in rounds 8 through 12 based on this ADP that I'm every bit as comfortable with. Not saying they're going to perform equally to, but I'm every bit as comfortable with as I am some of these guys with the third and fourth round ADP. So, quite frankly, I think you get that top guy when you're at the top of your draft, and I'm going to wait around. I'm going to fill out the rest of my squad and then just start plugging these guys in by the half Oh, and why not? If you've got a David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell, certainly. Right. No question about that. My problem is, is it 10? No, you have to have a completely different strategy. Yeah, I I can't, in my mind, I can't afford, unless they're just two guys that I am just dying for in wide receiver, I can't afford to go wide receiver, wide receiver, and then... Well, you know, actually, I guess you could. You could. Yeah. I mean, I would like to get one of the top, you know, the top running backs 
kind of like you, lock them down and then start hammering start, out the wide receivers. Start plugging and I think in. there'll be somebody there at 10. And what I find interesting, I think what my strategy may be, if I was picking where you are, Rick, is I may go ahead and lock up. So you're picking 10. I think in some order, Devontae Freeman, Jordan Howard, Ajayi, those guys are all going to be there. If right. you could get two of those guys, you know, maybe out of this list, out of Melvin Gordon, Freeman, Murray, Howard, Ajayi, Fournette. You know, so how many guys did I list there? Five, yeah, six? five or six, yeah. If in those amount of picks you could walk away with two of those, that might be my strategy, then you're done till the 10th round. Right. You're good. Now, you know, you talk about what Dennis talks about, and there's a lot of credence to it. There's always risk with these running backs. But there, if you could lock up two of those top 12 guys, and then there's going to be plenty of wide receivers left when we get back to you in the third round. You just start picking off wide receivers and quarterbacks for the six or seven rounds. You, you, but you'd be in excellent, excellent shape there as well. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think there's credence in, in both strategies, you know, from what Dennis says. My only argument against the – you know, not he. You know, he argues diligently not to take a running back to like sixth, seventh round. Right. How many? Um, you know, if if you're going to have six wide receivers in the in these first say seven rounds, you only start three most right. likely. You know, I guess four if you have a three wide receiver plus a flex. Right. But a lot of leagues only have two wide receivers and a flex. I mean, you're only starting three of them. And, yeah, it's nice to have depth, but it's also nice to have a balance as well. So Here would be my argument for, and he he makes excellent arguments, and it's worked out in the past for holding off on those running backs. Here would be my argument for if I was you in that 10-hole, Rick. Here would be my argument for go ahead wrapping up two running backs. Even if one gets hurt, if you have two wrapping up one of them. Let me just list the third and fourth round running backs based on ADP right now. Right. Okay, Starting with DeAndre Hopkins, Terrell Pryor, Demarius Thomas, Keenan Allen, Sammy Watkins, Jeffrey Robinson, Adams, Landry, Hill, Bryant, Crabtree, and Golden Tate. Those are your third and fourth round wide receivers. So if you can walk away with any two of those and pair them with Jordan Howard and Jay Ajayi, that's a damn good start, Rick. It is. So it's maybe you don't have the Antonio Bryants, the Doug Baldwins, the, the some of those guys in the top 12, but you're talking there is some serious, serious wide receiver talent to be had in the third and fourth round. And, oh, when we get to the fifth and you can have Julian Edelman, Larry Fitzgerald, Jamison Crowder, Willie Sneed, Stephon yeah, Diggs, Diggs yeah. jump to the sixth with Belt Benjamin, Marshall, Sanders, Garcon. I think, if anything, if you look at the plethora of of wide receivers based on what they've done from a fantasy football standpoint going in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. It's starting to me to make the argument to go way back to our fantasy football roots, Rick, and lock up well, you always have injury concerns and wide re- running backs lately have consistently not lived up to standard. You take the few sure things that are at running back, save for injury. You lock them up early, well, and you can stack three of these guys over the next three rounds. I, I'd rather have that team. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, injury concerns. But what if you waited and your RB1 was Paul Perkins, and he blows a knee? Now right. who are you plugging yeah, in? Now, now what do you do? You know, I mean. You know, and, and the argument would be, well, you've got six or seven guys like Paul Perkins. How many are you realistically going to hit on? 
True. How you don't know? Yeah, maybe you got three of them. Yeah, maybe you got Chris Thompson who gets cut. Right. You, you know, you or something like know. that. So, I, I don't know. Yeah, so I, I, I think any more of the arguments becoming there are so few valuable. I don't want to say sure thing because there's no such thing as a sure thing. It seems other than Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott at the running back position, but the closest to sure things wrap them up. There is so much depth at the wide receiver position that. I, I'm starting to lean back towards running back early. I am too. I, I really am, and and I don't think I got off it as much as you did. Yeah, I jumped all <clears> for those couple of years. All the way. I I, I yeah. buy into the fads. I'm kind of well. Kinda yeah, you're, you're you like to belong. Yeah, I want to be. Know. I want to be part of the in crowd, Rick. Hey, but to everybody out listening, get your questions in. Asylumfootball at Gmail. The mailbag is going to start being a segment. Next week, we're I mean, start. Dra- it's draft time. Get them in keeper and um, keeper questions. Yes. Draft strategy. You I think it'll be it. mostly. Why keeper. don't you just say it? I mean, I started to, but you just keep blah blah blah. Why don't you just tell them? Well, Go you, ahead, tell them. You're staggering and mumbling and staring at the Go camera. Ahead. Hold on, I want to do you. No, actually, I was talking. <laughs> I was like, you know how, like you said, it's setting you up. A good announcer setting you up. You're like, I'm making them, you know, be involved. <laughs> Don't play to the camera, Rick. That would be my advice. Hey, just saying. We have faces for radio, first of all. Boy, so you're may, not kidding. This may be a failed enterprise I mean, right off the get I mean, let's face it, folks. I shaved my head. I'm Uncle Fester. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> you would be, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get into it, Rick. How about uh, NFC South? Let's start with that one tonight, Rick. So, All and- right. I'm going to give you just a little stat here real quick because I think it's actually kind of important in this division considering they play each other twice. Um, The highest passing rated defense in that division last year was 22nd. (laughs) The next was 28, then 29, and 32nd. So not playing a lot of defense in the South. Not, in the not against South. passing. And when you have Drew Brees, you have the Carolina offense, you have Tampa Bay with Jameis Winston, and you have Matt Ryan, and there's there's a lot of fantasy points there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a ton. And let's start with Atlanta. I mean, there's a Super Bowl collapse. Is that affecting this year, do you think? These things have a way of doing that. When you look at or is it going to stop Matt Ryan getting the ball to Julio Jones? No, no, no. Okay, no. I mean, maybe because let's face, or is it is it going to stop him from dumping off to to Freeman? Uh, I, see, a lot of people say, oh, this they're going to have a Super Bowl slump. They will in terms of wins and losses. They might. I, I think agree. is what my argument is. From a fantasy standpoint, these upper echelon guys you bring up, I think no. Okay. I mean, I'm with you there. There might be two different arguments, right? <sighs> two different conversations. Yeah, well, I think there's a Super yeah, Bowl slump because it seems to always happen. Yeah. But I think Matt Ryan's still going to get his. God knows Julio Jones is going to get his. Right. There's no question about that. Right. And it gets. I agree with you because we get to predictions. I don't predict Atlanta to win the division. Nor do I. I, okay. thought, I, was wow. being, I thought I was being different there. So, Rick, the question marks for me were, you know, I guess we talk about the first man down, how does Mount Matt Ryan bounce back from that Super Bowl? I think he maybe turns the ball over a little more. They find ways to lose a couple of games this year. Hell, the way this division works in that post-Super Bowl hangover works, hell, they might not even make the playoffs. I don't know that I'd have the guts to predict that now. But I think Matt Ryan still is a 4,500-yard, 30-touchdown quarterback, right? Even if they go 6-10, and 10, I, I think he's still that guy. 
Of course. I, I, I don't see what, why anyone would think anything different with the weapons that he has right. there. And, um, you know, he has two great running backs that are, that are just dynamic out of the backfield, running right. or catching the ball. Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu certainly doesn't hurt to pass and game any. They're fine. Offensively, I think they're fine. They just have to improve on that 25th-ranked defense that is letting them down. Yeah, and against the offenses they play in that division, <laughs> that's probably going to be hard to do. The only other real thing I had coming out of Atlanta, Rick, is I'm wondering, we, we like to talk about your Ricky Williams-Ronnie Brown season of low so many years ago. It seems to come up once a week on this show for some it reason. It seems like 100 years ago. It does feel like that, too. I am wondering, Rick, the way he's being drafted, the answer is saying yes based on ADP. Can Tevin Coleman stand alone on his own, stand alone as an RB2 in fantasy football? Uh, boy, that's a, that's a tough question. I'm going to say, oh, boy. I'm going to say no. But if somebody drafted him for an RB2, I'm not going to say that's a dumb pick. Because the potential is, is there with this guy. And Atlanta, they may come out like a house of fire this year offensively. Oh, you would think so. The God knows the weapons are there. Yeah, and, and in PPR formats, it's certainly possible. I mean, if you're talking standard, obviously we're not even no, considering no. it. But, I mean, yeah, PPR formats – yeah, it's a possibility he could be low-end RB2 numbers, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, and right now his ADP is, is as an RB3, is at 29, so a really high RB3. Right. But, but you look at some of the guys he's being taken ahead of in LeGarrette Blunt, Paul Perkins, Eddie Lacy, you know, Terrence West. These are guys with question marks, Rick, but in a lot of cases – in Perkins' case, in Frank Gore's case, in Terrence West's case, these are the number one guys, you know what I mean? So it just brings – now what you can't forget, you know, Coleman had 11 touchdowns in 2016. We talk about all the touchdowns Blunt put up and why he's going to have the similar value moving to Philadelphia. You know, Terrence – or Terrence West. <laughs> I don't know why I got Terrence West on the mind today. <laughs> I don't either. Te- Tevin Cole, well, I did see something on Twitter – where he said that fantasy football owners would be wise to draft him, and I like when a player <laughs> tells fantasy people, yeah. draft me, watch this. I, yeah. I like that as a fantasy guy. But I think if, if he can repeat that 11 touchdowns and put up the reception numbers he had, there's an argument to be made that he is. I never had the guts to do that. I'd have never had the guts to do your Ricky Williams, Ronnie Brown season. But I think you could see that here. I honestly do. Look, he had 940 odd yards total offense last year like you said 11 touchdowns freeman had 13 touchdowns that's a pretty nice even yeah, split between close. the two of them right so i mean the potential's there um he's not going to see the field as much as Devonte freeman i don't think but they're not losing a ton if he does so yeah i mean i think he's very well could be low in rb2 yeah it'd be interesting to see uh, you got anything else in atlanta rick no, I think you're uh, – I mean, let's face it. I, I think they may have a Super Bowl letdown in, in real life, but in fantasy I think yeah. they're just fine. Yeah, I think the numbers – Yeah, let's face it. You don't really want any of these defenses, no. <laughs> save maybe Carolina in, in a fantasy football situation. I mean, they're still awful tough against the run. But, I mean, they give up a ton of yards against the pass. 
And yeah, last year was just a disastrous season. It was. Them. It was just one of those years where it all came, went off the rails. And I, I wonder if they won't write the ship this year. Yeah, well, let's go to Carolina. All right, let's and do And we it. talked about McCaffrey on the last show ad nauseum. Yeah, yeah, I don't know um, if we want to do that whole thing I th- again. I think you're going to be fine with him. You're not quite as high on him as I am. I think if Rivera can find that he's the guy that can do it day in and day out, he could be special. Calvin Benjamin. He's the... Devin Funches, I think, is a linchpin. He's got to step it up. He is big. He's he's about the same size as Calvin Benjamin. Yeah. They should be dominant on the wide receivers' positions. And you have Greg Olson, another horse. I mean, they should be dominant in receiving. You know what I can't figure out? Since Steve Smith left there, no wide receiver has stood up. None. And you look at Kelvin Benjamin, and, and he's such an anomaly to me. He's a physical freak. I don't know if it was the knee injury. He had that really nice rookie year. I know you hopped on that bandwagon. I don't know if you saw a preseason game or something. You fell in love with this kid instantly. And he really looked like he was paying off that rookie year. And then starting the second year, he blows out his knee. And, you know, down to 63 receptions last year. Did have the seven touchdowns. But I don't know as big as he is and as good as his hands are why he doesn't have 20 touchdowns a season. Why they do anything inside the 10-yard line other than throw it up in the air and let him go get it. I can't figure out where the struggle is with Kelvin Benjamin. I'll tell you what, if you told me I had to pick, without having to give you any analysis, without any just gut feeling. If there was one person in fantasy football this year who could completely bust out and stun everybody and finish number one at their position, I'd like to tell you it'd be Kelvin Benjamin. Could you just see him going out and catching ten balls a game and a touchdown and a half a game? I don't. He's such an anomaly to me. I can't put my finger on it. Well, the team's full of them. Look at, Cam, look at Cam Newton. You're right. I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, for a quarterback and, and a leader, he's got a very erratic head. He has mood swings where for games he's just, you know, yelling at reporters and we're doing the best we can, blah, 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 yeah. and this, that, and the other. And, you know, I mean, he put up, what, 19 touchdowns, 14 picks last year. Yeah. I mean, that's horrifying. I mean, he needs to pick it up to 30 touchdowns at least. You would think so. Combined you, rushing, anyhow. Well, yeah. Well, he had 24 touchdowns, you know, if you throw in the five rushing touchdowns. He should have 30 passing and eight rushing. It's I mean, that offense, That's a lot, eight, but I get where you're I going. I know, but I, Your I, point's taken. Yeah. I mean, they should be dominant on offense. Yeah. And they were dysfunctional last year. So, I, I don't know where it goes. I think they pick it up some this year. Yeah. I'm, I think Benjamin's going to be a nice surprise. I think Newton's going to – is he going to be a top-five guy? I don't think he ever is going to be. But I think he can certainly elevate himself into to quarterback one numbers. Yeah. Oh, he, he certainly should be. You just wonder if that – and I agreed with him on a lot of it, quite frankly. I don't didn't necessarily like the way he handled it. But it got to the point about midseason where he was spending the bulk of his time you know, complained about the lack of protection he was getting from from the officials, which was fair. It was absolutely fair. But you feel like that got in his head, and that became the narrative above playing the position. Well, it was the narrative. But, you know, let's face it. If your name's not Brady, yeah. if your name's not Peyton Manning, who's now retired, or maybe Drew Brees, look, I mean, you know, there's a lot of guys that can argue that. 
I mean, Andy Dalton takes his lumps. Ben Roethlisberger certainly takes his lumps, and they're very similar. Big, of course, right. he's, he can't run like Cam Newton, obviously, but they're big guys, and they will extend plays. I mean, you know, they get up with their helmets turned around their head. You're not going to get a lot of protection. Yeah. yeah, Cam Newton and Ben Roethlisberger are held to a different standard. I don't think there's any argument about it. What it is, if Cam can't overcome that, and I think that became so important to him last season that it affected his play. I really think it does. So if he's been able to get past that, now maybe he can't. And this is one thing I fear. I actually jotted this down. Has it gotten in the back of his head? And it's a reasonable fear that he's fearing injury now. And and while that's a rational thought, it's pretty hard to succeed at that position if you're oh. fearing injury. It, succeed anything. And, and like yeah, I said, really. it's a completely rational thought. But it's going to be hard to have success if sure. that's for first and foremost on your mind when you take the field every week. Certainly. I mean, fear will hamper no matter what you're trying. Right. I mean, it is um, – you probably didn't know, but I actually do some painting. Painting? Yes. Like, like that guy on QED? Can you do all that stuff? Oh, Yeah. Or? Yeah, you know, landscapes and all that kind of stuff. Can you yeah. do it real fast like the guy on no. TV? No. It's like, could you paint during a show? No, oh, I couldn't right. do that. Damn, I had a whole plan for you there. But, <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't want me painting because it's very messy. But no, when you first start doing that, the, the, the hardest thing is that first brush stroke. It, I mean, it really is. You wouldn't think, okay, who cares or whatever, mm-hmm. but if you're actually trying to paint something, I mean, you fear that. It's like, oh, man, I don't want to mess it up and this, that, and the other. And you end up screwing it up, of course, because why? You're afraid of it. And you're a screw-up. And, well, that I'm not talking So you're talking like me. real artists. Yeah, I'm talking about real people, <laughs> not, not animals like being. us. <laughs> a couple of baboons. <laughs> There we have it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me jot that down. All right. Well, let's move on to, gee, I don't know, New Orleans. They don't have any offense. Yeah, so I don't know pro- what to talk about there. What do you think of Michael Thomas? Top tenner? Top five? Or is he going to be a Joe Horn? No. No. I think – I don't know why. I think he is going to be the guy who breaks out of the New Orleans mold and is the guy. Look, I really like Willie Sneed as an additional piece, Rick. I really do. I think Mike Thomas is the man in this offense right now. And in an offense that throws the ball with a quarterback that throws the ball consistently for over 5,000 yards, I think he is actually the guy. There's no Brandon Cooks type there anymore. I don't I don't see anybody else stepping up in, in the days where you had you know, going back to Joe. Although Joe Horn was a little more consistent. Than some of these guys we talk about, yeah, you know, but I guess we go a little more recent where it was really spread out. But uh, yeah, I, I get your point. But I think Michael Thomas is the guy here, and I think the potent the potential is there. You always worry about a sophomore slump, right? But it seems like lately in the NFL, these wide receivers who have these bust out rookie years, Odell Beckham, you're, these types of guys. They they keep progressing. At minimum, stay flat, keep progressing. Let's play our game. All right. Michael Thomas or, and I'm not going to tell you if I'm going above or below, so don't don't cheat. Okay. And uh, Okay. Michael Thomas, T.Y. Hilton. Michael Thomas. Jordy Nelson. That's tough, but I, like the, I think there's more upside with Michael Thomas. I'm going to take him above him. Amari Cooper. 
Michael Thomas. Des Bryant. Michael Thomas. But we're going to talk about that Des Bryant situation. A.J. Green. I think I'm going to go Michael Thomas there. Okay, so I went went everybody from three below to two above. So I went four. The five people. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I mean – did you, you took him over everybody, correct? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you have him basically as your wide receiver for – okay, let's move on. Do you like Michael Thomas or Evans? Evans. Beckham. Beckham. Jones. Jones. Brown. Brown. So, you're, he's your wide receiver five. Do you worry at all – I know we're done with Atlanta. Do you worry at, all, worry at all about the fact it seems like Julio's nicked up a whole lot? Yeah, never really injured. I but do, but, up I, a lot. but you look at the numbers he yeah. puts up. Well, and that's I don't worry about it near as much as like what was it that one year? I think it was like his rookie year, right back at Roddy White was still playing where right. he missed most of the year. Mm-hmm. But since then, he's been uh, very productive and not really all that prone to yeah. injury. He's been the Brian Westbrook in the, yeah. of the wide receiver world. Yeah. It, it stuck in my head last night as I was starting my prep for that for this division and for the Falcons. I was prepared to blow your skirt up and say that I was worried about Julio Jones, and I was starting to feel like he may, I didn't want to say injury prone, but consistently nicked up Brian Westbrook, who we always <laughs> use as the example for this, and that I was going to start lowering him on my rank. I was already to do that, and I was getting geared up for the argument you had. And I thought, well, before I do that, let me do something crazy. I better go look at the numbers. <laughs> no. And, and, and no. the numbers just didn't justify the argument at all. This is just one of those things in the very back of my mind. Whereas I would take Odell Beckham and Mike Evans over Julio Jones, but I can't go any further than that. So no. if that's shocking news that I have him at four instead of two. I mean, I could, uh, see, I could see somebody making the argument to actually have him maybe as low as six, but... I don't have them that low. No, I mean, no. you know, okay, you can you can I can Brown, take him to four. Brown, Beckham, Evans. I could see maybe, well, I think with everybody healthy, AJ Green's gonna break out. Yeah. Maybe throw him up there. And then take maybe either a Jordy Nelson or a Michael Thomas, but not both. I I, I can't yeah. do it. I've got him at four. And that's where he's staying yeah, for me. And I think that's about as far. I do like Beckham and Evans over him, and maybe that's the reason why I do. Because from a pure, pure skill set standpoint and the potential game over game yeah. of what Julio Jones could do, you could make the argument he should be number one. But I, like I said, I was ready to make this big, bold statement. Then I looked at the numbers and said, yeah. shut up, stupid. Yeah, really. <laughs> Let's move on from that. Who are we talking Tampa about? Tampa Bay now. Well, no, we're on New Orleans. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Ingram or AP, or both, or do you want either one of them? Would you like either one of them? Who do you think is going to have the load? Yeah, I mean, boy, there's a million questions at running back. Is there going to be a significant running back in New Orleans? Ingram has been, but the competition, the caliber of Adrian Peterson hasn't been there. Right. I've got a feeling. Just a feeling. and I don't even know what I base this on. Yeah, that's an old Ricky Nelson song. I got a feeling. Ricky who? No. Don't show your ignorance again. Ricky Wilson? Nelson. Nelson. I know Ricky Skaggs. Is it the same Ricky guy? Skaggs is good, That's too. a different guy, though. Yeah, Ricky Nelson was... What's his famous song? What song would I know? Oh, many songs. He did uh, Hello, Mary Lou. When Elvis went into the Army, 
Ricky Nelson basically took over record sales for quite some so I've time. I probably heard a Ricky oh, yeah. Nelson song and just not. And then he, it was then Ricky he, Nelson. um, then he actually went on like in the early seventies and basically between him and like Poco and a couple other groups invented like rockabilly, you know, and the, the Eagles kind of bounced off of I that. I do like rockabilly. So yeah. I do like that. So, I mean, so maybe you, I like You'd Rick like Rick Nelson. Nelson. He uh, died in a plane crash tragically. Really? That seemed to happen a lot back then. Mm-hmm. How did we get there? What the hell were we talking about? <laughs> Adrian Peterson. That's <laughs> yeah, right. but that's how. I, I got mean, a feeling. All right, yeah. now I'm back. All right. Let's rewind it. Let's, let's bring it back in. All right. I just have a feeling. I don't feel like historically these guys, old timers, move into a new situation, from especially running back. It just doesn't work out. I got a feeling early on they're going to try to force feed Peterson a little bit, and then it's going to die off, and he's going to be sort of like a ceremonial <laughs> type of player. I think this could be Mark Ingram's gig still, and it could be the Mark Ingram we've seen in the past with other weapons around him. I don't. I'm starting to believe Adrian Peterson will have a very minimal impact on this offense. If it was an old timer who wasn't well, <laughs> destroyed in his knees, right? I would agree. If it was an old timer that wasn't a machine, yeah, he is know, a robot. I, you have to factor that in. And so I keep hearkening back to Thomas Jones when the Bears dumped him and he went to the Jets. Right. And he promptly put up 1,400 rushing yards at Mm -hmm. 31 or whatever it was. I think the potential's there. I don't think he's going to put up no 1,400 yards, don't get me wrong. But I think the potential's there. This guy could all of a sudden just come through training camp and it's like, good Lord, how can we keep him off the field? It's a possibility. If, if you look at his yards per carry, and maybe we can blame this on the Vikings offensive line, I don't know. The, the few times we've seen him outside of suspensions and injuries right. over the last two or three seasons, going back to, was it 2014 he led the league in rushing, I or was that 2015? Think. I can't remember. I think remember. it was 24, whatever year it was. pull the stats up. Since then, I feel like his yards of Oh, per carry could be measured. Last year. Could be measured in feet, not in yards. Right. Is, is what I feel like. So I just wonder why all of a sudden then you lift him out of an offense that was built around him, catered to him with really no weapons around it, to dropping him in New Orleans, which is the second coming of the greatest show on turf, maybe better than the greatest show on turf at, at being the greatest show on turf. I have just have a hard time fitting him in there. If you gave me list out the top 25 teams you think Peterson could have gone to and been successful, and New Orleans would have never been on that list. I think no, that's, I where, that's where my problem's coming in. Yeah, the only bright spot is, as you mentioned, you know, Minnesota built around him, and when that line collapses, they were done. Right. They're not done in New Orleans. That's true, too. That's and, true. and, I mean... They can run the ball. But they have Mark Ingram, so... I, I, I'm really on the fence, and I mean, this is so much help to people listening out here. <laughs> I mean, you basically have to watch preseason and see what you. Can I don't do. know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's I, I mean, Rick's take. <laughs> I, my jury's out until I get some better word out of camp and watch some of these preseason games and see what's going on before I can really even make any type of offer. Problem uh, there is, uh, when's the last time you saw Adrian Peterson take a snap in the preseason? Don't you think he's going to have to get some reps coming off of yet another knee injury? I would hope so, but he's never done. And to get used to an offense. I mean, I 
I don't know. I mean, it, it's somebody's going to have to run the football. Yeah. I mean, the public's out there saying, look, they, they've got right now the ADP on Adrian Peterson's 24, the last RB2. That's RB2. I, boy, I, just, I wouldn't have the guts to do that. If you had to take one, Rick, now Mark Ingram's only four slots behind him at 28, so those folks don't know, but they just want to be part of the New Orleans machine, I right. think. But I reach into the closet here on the other side of this door in the studio, Rick, and I pull out a gun. Yeah. Put put it to your head and say, you have got to roll this year with one of these New Orleans running backs. Who are you more comfortable with right now, sitting here today? Ingram. I, I think I am, too. That's what it you – know, we can debate what – the share will be but yeah i feel more comfortable with it be based on injury based on fit based on whatever you want to base it on i just have a feeling in the end this is going to shake out to be mark ingram and here, here's something very interesting we're looking at mark ingram right now on mine he's uh rb 28 which is six seven right and i'm looking who's around him he's probably a, about where he is but I'll tell you what, at 6'9", I think I'm taking Tevin Coleman. Yeah. Or at 6'10", LeGarrette Blunt. I might feel better yeah. with Blunt. Paul Perkins, I'm still going with Ingram. Doug Martin, Ingram. Um, Lil Powell, C.J. Anderson, I think I'd take both of those over Ingram. Yeah. Maybe not Powell. I'm not sure. I'm not sold on this. <sighs> I mean, yeah, of course, Belil Powell and, and Matt Forte, somebody's got to get the points in New York, I guess. I mean, they're not going to get shut out for the season, right. are they? Exactly. Somebody's going to have to score. And I made the argument of a few weeks back that I really thought Forte could have a nice year. Here he is nicked up again already. I think he just yeah. might be hitting that hitting that wall. He's what, 32? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's about there, especially the way he plays the position. All right, so that brings us to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Uh I tell you what, another question: Is Doug Martin going to be starting running back, or is it Jaquiz Rogers? Here's what I wonder with that: Why would that running back coach come out, and what was the point of making that statement? Was he just sending a message to Doug Martin that you better be keeping in shape, you better show up here after this ready? Because if you remember in the mini camp, remember the people slobbering over Doug Martin and he started rocketing up the off-season ADPs of just how great he looked in mini camp and how he's got himself ready. And that's great. I hope he does in terms of all his personal demons and he's got all that worked out and he's 100% focused on football. And we all sort of have that in the back of our mind, knowing that this suspension's coming. And then just bang, out of nowhere, his, they make this statement that he's not guaranteed this job. Is that just a throwaway comment that a coach says that, hey, you've got to earn the position? Is it a message? Is it a an argument for Jaquiz Rogers? Are they feeling comfortable about him? I don't know what to make of that, Rick. I, I found that really confusing. I think it very well could be a message. But, I mean, let's face it. I mean, you know, he misses time a lot. And... Last year, when he did play, he was very ineffective. Right. I think he was, I don't know, 2.9 yards a carry, something like that. And, you know, of course, he's coming back from, what, a three-game suspension at the beginning of the year again. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think maybe it's a message. This is your last chance, Texaco, pal, and you better come back in shape. You better come back with the right attitude. And you better, you know, dot your I's and cross your T's because we got other guys in this team. Right. I mean, 
if he put up 1,200 yards last year and got suspended, big deal. Yeah, we wouldn't be having this But when you're throwing up horrifying numbers and then getting in trouble, teams don't have time for that. Anecdotally, here's my answer to your very initial question, Rick. I have drafted exactly zero fantasy football teams so far this year, and I've drafted quite a few already. You drafted Scott Fishbowl. Right. Exactly none of the drafts mm. that I participated in. Would I? All right, I think you misunderstood me. I right. participated in a lot of drafts. Yeah. In every single one of those drafts, I've drafted Jaquiz Rogers. That's how I feel this is going to go. When he is given the carries. Now, we've never seen him carry a full load over the course of a 16-game season, right? He's always been either the change of pace or the injury-slash-suspension replacement. So we haven't seen him do it over the long haul. When he is getting carries, he's just a stud. Look at the numbers. It's there. I'm not going to sit here and read them all off to you. When the ball was in his hand, when he's given opportunities, he makes plays. Number two, this, this running backs coach came with him from Atlanta. He likes them. There's something there between the two of those. I think he's going to get opportunities. Now, the possibility exists that Doug Martin's going to show up healthy. Let's say, and I hope this is true because of the personal demons he's dealing with. He's back healthy. His mind's right. Everything. He comes back 100%. He's Doug Martin. We saw in his rookie season. Then Doug Martin, you're going to have to give Doug Martin that job. But I think short of that, you're going to see Quiz getting more and more work. And I think he may be, the co- the phrase I coined last week, the stinkiest value of all this year could be Jaquiz Rogers. And at a minimum, he's going to start three games. So if you're waiting on running backs, right, if you're not sure of your running right. backs for at least three games, you can get off to a nice nice start to your season with Jaquiz Rogers. No doubt about it. I, I agree. And, uh you know, that brings us up, you know, everybody's high on Jameis Winston, including me. I think he's really maturing into a fine quarterback. They added D-Jax to Mike Evans. I mean, that's a nice double-barrel threat right there. And Cameron Brate's looking pretty good. I think he's going to be – he's very possible low-end tight end one easily. You think with the stud rookie there? I wonder if Brate's going to be able to get what on think? the – Boy, I think they're going to want to now. Rookie tight ends have a history of not seeing much fantasy success, and we'll talk about that with Ingram, the other one getting all the love up in New York. But boy, with an OJ Howard, Rick, man, yeah. I've got to think. And I loved what I saw out of break this year. I agree with it. And rookie tight ends have a have a history of not showing us a lot in terms of fantasy football. But, boy, this guy's a different kind of different yeah, animal. Yeah, he is. I I just really I'm, – I'm with you. I, I really like the kid. Sometimes I think I get almost cross at the hype of every rookie that comes right. into the league. You're right. And, you know, get them early, get them now, blah, blah, blah. And then when they hit on Ezekiel Elliott, <laughs> we told you. We told you. You're right. You know, but what, how, where's how the many, other twelve you told me about? Yeah, yeah. Kevin White. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let, let's remember this one. Yeah, you know, and a lot of these other ones. I, it's 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 tough to jump on a rookie and say get him while you can. And yeah, but I think maybe in this case you could be right. I think OJ Howard may be the guy. Yeah, but I didn't mind what I saw on Brait last year. I mean, oh, no, almost no. sixty catches uh, in a young offense. And basically one-dimensional, considering Martin was out, um, Jaquiz Rogers put together a nice little year, and they had Sims in there and so forth. But it was basically Mike Evans. Right. And right. Cameron Bright was the other weapon. 
Now, Howard could step right in and bang. I mean, it's very possible. From what we've seen in college, like I said, the history isn't great for rookie tight ends, but I think it hurts Bray. You know, I don't know what Howard's going to be. I, I don't know. That, that's a situation I may be avoiding unless I'm in a dynasty league and I'm all over O.J. Howard, oh. obviously. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Do you feel that. comfortable James Winston is your fantasy quarterback? I'd want him leading my football team. Yeah, I think I would be. I think I, mean, I would is he, be. Is he a 4,000-yard guy? Is he a 30, 25 to 35 touchdown guy? That's why I'm not sure if he's that guy. Love to watch him play. Love that I'd follow him into war. You know what I mean? But I, I just wonder, is he getting overvalued as a fantasy quarterback? Mm, I don't think he's overvalued. And, and I'll tell you why. Because even from his rookie season, he walked in there and there was no doubt who was the leader of the oh, team. Oh, absolutely. And that team is is kind of like right behind, right with you. You know, they walk right into battle with this kid. Last year he was over 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns. Yeah, he had some picks, but, you know, I think that's, that's going to improve. I think he's good for 4,400 yards. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not – is he is he going to be, you know, threatening Derek Carr or Drew Brees, some of these guys? Most likely not. But – I think if you're going with a certain strategy where you're waiting on a quarterback, I think you'll be fine with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's right down there with Mariota, what, Mariota, Newton, Rivers, Stafford. I might take Mariota and Rivers above him. You know, Newton, I'd have to think about it. But, you know, I think so. Low end one, high end two. I don't want to split hairs over two or three, no. <laughs> two or three guys. You know, if he's the last number one or the first number two, but right. I just I don't get the warm. I, I get more more warm and fuzzy over Mariota if we're talking about that draft class. But different discussion for a different day. Not much else there. Uh, I think Don, Deshaun Jackson continues to just be Deshaun Jackson in this offense. Just what he's done everywhere. I hope he can just keep his head in the game and not well, start pouting. But I, I don't think he will because I think this team's improved, and I think there's certainly a threat to take the title. All right. Well, that brings us to it, Rick. Let's move on. Pick it. <sighs> Boy, you had to put that on me first. I am going. You want me to go first? Tampa Bay <laughs> is going it. to be the South champion this year. You stole it from me. Right over Atlanta. Carolina and New Orleans are tied okay. at third. I have Tampa, Carolina, Atlanta, New Orleans, and they may be tied. Right. I think Tampa wins this thing. I think the Super Bowl hangover hits that team. Now, we talked about it. I don't think it affects their fantasy value, but I think in terms of wins and losses, they pay the price for that. And I think the additions of a Deshaun Jackson – and O.J. Howard, some of the additions they've made are enough to push in the maturation process. Uh, Jameis Winston's enough to push that team to the top. I, I think they're ready. I think it's their time. And one thing I like about Tampa over, say, like a New Orleans, I certainly don't like their offense is good. But when the defense was ranked 10th, 10 t- places higher than the last ranked offense or defense of New Orleans, yeah. <laughs> New Orleans is still a little work in progress. It, you know, and I feel sorry for Drew Brees. You know, fortunately he does have a ring, but he's yeah. running out of time. Yeah, and I they don't have think he's getting got to one. get a defense thrown together 
Or they're going to be the San Diego Chargers of like the late 70s and 80s. They yeah. score 40 points and lose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, I, think, and, I think there's another big dose of that this season could out in New be. Orleans. All right, Rick, let's wrap up our division previews with the NFC East. Let's start with a team we saw on Thursday live and in living color, your Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, of course, we didn't see a whole lot of them. But I'll tell you what, Kellen, <laughs> Kellen Moore was impressive yeah. against – you know, nobody on defense and so forth. But some of the long passes down the field, right on the mark. I mean, right in stride and weren't weren't catchable by anybody than the receiver, basically. Right. And, I mean, that was impressive. And that tells me that if Dak Prescott goes down, you know, they're probably not going to die. They still yeah. got that good offensive line. They've got Zeke Elliott coming back, we hope. I mean, we yeah. I don't think there's any suspension for him, so I think you're you're going with him. So you think there'll be no suspension? I don't think there will be. They're supposed to. I mean, it's getting to, to the week, point where it that. is. It's oh. to the past the point of ludicrous. Oh yeah, it's and um, you know what Jerry Jones said at at the Hall of Fame media day that there's absolutely no evidence and it doesn't look like anything points to a suspension. But we'll have my, to wait. My and thought see. is, and I, I hope this isn't incentive. If you got to look this hard, I'm guessing there's probably nothing there, right? I mean, right. Yeah, Roger Goodell said this: where they expect to have it dealt with this week, but they're waiting for a report from the some police outside. let it go over a year ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought it was innocent till proven guilty, but they are just doing anything to. It's almost like they're trying to find a reason yeah. to, right? Exactly. I, 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 don't I don't know what it is. Yeah. You know, I think the biggest key for Dallas to maintain their position in that division is Dak Prescott and Des Bryant must form a nice chemistry this year. That's the first thing I had written down. They have to. It didn't seem to be there, Rick. Now now you wonder, you have the rookie quarterback. Des was hurt much of the beginning of the season. He came back late in the year. Maybe it just wasn't there. Maybe with a full off-season program, with a full training camp. We know who Des Bryant is. We know what Dak Prescott is. I see no reason why it doesn't fit together. But it gives me a little bit of pause, Rick. It, it, you would think with two guys of that, or just throw the press, Prescott thing out, with a guy the caliber of and the talent of Des Bryant, you wouldn't think it would matter who his quarterback is, that chemistry would even matter. But it clearly it did at the end of the season. So I, it's something I think about. It, it's nothing I worry about enough to significantly drop Des Bryant in my rankings, but it is something just in the back of my mind, something I worry about slightly. Well, here's the positive. You think about it going into last year. Des Bryant, basically his whole career, was working all his reps with Tony Romo. Right. Okay? When Dak Prescott takes over, Des Bryant's injured. So they're still getting no reps together whatsoever. So finally, when Des Bryant comes back, is probably the first time they work together. That's true. Now they have a complete offseason to work on everything. Going into training camp, they have the preseason. I think you might see a whole different uh, – Set of weapons there. I have a feeling you're right. I, I do. I just, it, it, I guess it's good conversation. Which but. I think will lead to maybe a, a bit of a decline to Ezekiel Elliott, but not necessarily in the Dallas offense. Yeah, yeah. They won't have to rely on him as much. They don't have to play it quite as safe with Dak Prescott. I mean, he's not a rookie anymore. They've already made it to the playoffs. And 
I mean, I think this offense could be deadly. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, look, Dak Prescott, he is such a cool customer. He just looks like a professional quarterback, and the quarterback's going to win a lot of games. What I'm not sure of, Rick, if he's a fantasy quarterback. You, know, you look at 3,600 yards, 23 TDs, six rushing TDs, which makes a big difference. But that's rare for a quarterback to put up that many rushing TDs. You wonder if he can repeat that. So he doesn't turn the ball over. I think he's a good, solid backup, number two fantasy quarterback. That's about where he's being drafted. I think his ADP is around 15. Yeah. You, you get the occasional person wanting to make an argument for him to be a low M1. I don't see it. I wouldn't go there, but I don't know if it merits that much discussion especially since we only have nine minutes left exactly i don't either i tell you what let's move on to your new york football giants we i love me that wide receiving core i know you do they brought your boy in your man sir i mean i think brandon marshall is going to do nothing but help beckham with his head his attitude i think he's going to do nothing but help him in the passing game by being Another legitimate threat. Right. And I think he's going to do nothing but help Eli Manning. The only the thing I don't like about this offense is that running game. I don't like Paul Perkins. And I think even in ADPs he's too high. Simple as that. I, I, I the only thing, the argument you can make for Paul Perkins, there, there's only one. You know, he had that one big game and the rest were complete and utter failures. There's nobody else, Rick. It's his job, good, bad, or ugly. Yeah, it's Shane his Vereen, job. I believe, yeah. is, is next behind yeah. him. Vereen will do Vereen things, so it's Paul Perkins' job. Now, now what I do think could happen, they could throw this ball 50 times, which is why I have, and people laugh at me, which is why I have Eli as a top 10 fantasy quarterback, just because I think they are going to fling the ball that much. And you've got Odell Beckham. I mean, when we get the audio out from the Hall of Fame, had a nice conversation with Chris Carter out there where he talked about how he worked with Odell Beckham, not only physically and catching the football, but working on getting his mind right a little bit and how he expects Odell Beckham to be even better this year, you know, back to his rookie year type of performance. You bring in a Brandon Marshall. We know who Brandon Marshall is. You know, avoided the injury after a scare with Sterling Shepard, seeing what he could do out of the slot. The rookie tight end and Evan Ingram that everyone's so high on. There are so many weapons in that passing game. I don't see how Eli could mess it up and how much you need to run the ball. Just let Paul Perkins slam it into the line every now and again to try and keep a defense honest. I don't think, from a fantasy standpoint, I think Perkins is a yeah, – I wouldn't mind having him as a three if if I got a guy hurt or on by, if at least a guy who's going to get some carries, I can plug him in and I can get him cheap. I think yeah, that's, what his, value, cheap. that's I mean, what his value is, right? Right. He is cheap, and he is a starting running back. So you get him at say, roughly, what, an RB3 price, something right. like that. It's probably not that bad. Um, you don't get too many RB3s who are going to get all the carries for their team. That, that's a good point. And, well, he's and, not going to do much with them, but and, and, he's going to have opportunity. And the thing is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say, but yeah. that's basically what you could expect from Paul yeah. Perkins, I, I think. I guess with Paul Perkins, you could only be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, And, yeah. and he may be um, – 
he may be one of your stinky values out yeah, there. Yeah, I'm, I'm just stashing I've stashed him away in most drafts because it gets to the point where you're down your draft in the second and third running back on every team, and then Paul Perkins is hanging out there who you know is going to get all the team's carries. So you draft them, you stash them, and like you said, maybe surprise you. Maybe with this potential air show they're going to have in New York, yeah, he's good for three or four big runs a week. You know what I mean? Just a surprise wraparound draw. Right. But he's busting enough plays to at least have RB three, RB four by you. Real quick, Evan Ingram. They were already saying that he's going. This rookie's already going to have expanded role. Um, yeah. You know what do you, what do you think of him? I mean, I'm buying in. I'm buying in only because I think the problem with a lot of rookie tight ends is they come in and it's the blocking scheme that exactly. they struggle with. They make no bones about, no secret, the fact that they don't even consider Ingram a blocker. He's a receiver. He's a big, fat receiver is all he is, and that's how he's going to be used. So if that's his expectation going into the year, that's where his focus is. I think he right. avoids that rookie tight end issue. All right, running out of time. Yeah, we we got to we gotta have to eat, hit the Eagles. Uh, um, Philadelphia, boo. Blunt, just give me real quick. Buying, selling. Yeah. Buying to, to a degree. I think he, he scores 12 touchdowns. Really? You for what that's so. worth. You know, he doesn't push 20 like he did last year. But I think he's good for 12 touchdowns. How many yards? 850. Okay. 850, 12 TD. Jeffrey, Matthews, you like the core? Do you think Jeffrey's seen better days? you think if Matthews Jeffrey, is not the guy? If Jeffrey could stay healthy, he's a top 15 guy. If Matthews doesn't have issues with that knee, I think having Jeffrey there only helps him. No, I think Matthews is kind of the guy he's always been, you know, sort of that mid-range wide receiver three with wide receiver one scoring potential each week. He's going to kind of frustrate and love him as my third wide receiver or my flex. But I think having Alshon Jeffrey there only helps him. And if you're not one of those kind of guys that like to get the Gronks or the Kelseys or the Greg Olsons of the world, Zach Ertz is a uh, very, very functional tight end. Be, be warned, though. This is only in a PPR format, do I like Zach Ertz? True. He's a lock for 70 catches. That's all he does is catch 70 balls. But he only has six, t- six TDs in the last two seasons. So he's averaging 70 catches, but only six TDs in two seasons. So his value's in PPR. I'd love to have him. If I'm playing right. in a standard league, I don't, don't even talk yeah, to him. Yeah, don't about, even, the only thing you it. can get anybody right, probably right. to get your four TDs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Jesse James caught three, I think, right. last year yeah. for Pittsburgh. So. And, I mean, that's what you get for whatever reason. They don't use the tight end. I don't right. ask me why, but they just – or Zach Ertz isn't that guy. But in a PPR, 70 catches out of my tight end, I'll I would like to see Carson that. Wentz maybe a little – maybe start relying on him a little more, which could help the whole offense. Right. But let's move on to Washington. Is Kirk Cousins a real deal? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This here's what I like about it. You know, throw all the mechanics, all that nonsense aside. This guy keeps betting on himself, right? We've talked about this ridiculous contract situation. He keeps betting on himself and he keeps coming up big doing it, right? And this team wants to throw the ball. I think Cousins, yeah, he's top five, top six quarterback, fantasy wise easily. I don't know, does he lead him to more than five wins? I'm not sure, but he's gonna put up big, big numbers. And of course, Terrell Pryor, Jamison Crowder, Josh Doxson. You know, Pryor's a real mystery on here, moving to a different team, but it's a much more dynamic offense than what Cleveland was. Right. He could have huge numbers. 
And the word coming out of Richmond right now is just, he's the second coming. Of, he's like the love child of Jerry Rice and Tory Holt. I mean, just the the slurpage of him at this point. I, maybe it's just because they haven't had a guy like him in that role recently. But with, with what Kirk Cousins can do, with the amount they're going to throw the ball, I like what Crowder does. You know, kind of staying in his lane. But I I, th- I really think Pryor could be that big play receiver. He he could end up with easily eleven hundred yards and nine to twelve touchdowns. Very possible. Let's move to, uh, well, you know who, Jordan Reed. Uh, nicked up already dealing with a toe. I just, uh, I mean, he's the number two tight end if he's healthy. And he's nipping on Gronk's heels, but, uh, but it just makes you so nervous. You cannot convince me. It's just, to me, impossible, given his injury history. You can't put him ahead of Gronk. You can't no. put him ahead of Kelsey. You can't put him ahead of Greg Olson. I can't put him ahead of name some other ones. I, I'm taking Delaney Walker over him. I can't do that. That's I where can we because I because Delaney Walker will play 16 games. Jordan Reed will play eight. Yeah, and, and yeah. that's what really scares me with Jordan Reed. But those eight games are so valuable. And what if you hit lightning in the bottle and he plays 13? If he plays twelve, okay. He he played. Um, okay, he played two, four. I'm pulling the stats up. Two, four, six, eight, Who ten, eleven games. Okay, not one game over a hundred yards, and he had five touchdowns in only three games. I, that surprises me, actually. 54-70, He did have a ninety-nine yard game. Um, Forty-one. And 79, 95, 10, and 6. Hmm. I, yeah, the talent's there. But I think, I think this guy starts a season nicked up. And I think it just seemed That's to hamper I, him all year long. You remember the concussion year. And we worried to death about his concussions. Now it's something else. It's a toe. I mean, of all things, this, you don't want – Head and toe on a tight end, man, I tell you, that's rough stuff. That's what I don't like is coming into the year nicked up. When you know a guy's going to get nicked up, who has trouble staying healthy, if he's not even entering the year healthy, that's a big concern for me. Giants, Cowboys, Eagles, Skins. I'm with you, Ray. I am. Wow. I am. I am stunned. I think the Skins could literally win six games. Not not a reflection on them. They don't play a very good brand of defense. They got a really good offense, but the offenses in this division are just better, right? All of them. I like just the Giants well, that they're going to be. Washington able to... had the third ranked offense in the league last year. Right. Twenty eighth ranked defense. And look how much better the Giants got. And look how much better the Eagles got. Just look at the wide receivers these teams brought in, right? Yeah. Making the Giants that much better. The Eagles bringing in Alshon Jeffrey and LeGarrette Blunt. Talk about a game changer on offense. And the Cowboys were, were just as good as they were. So I think the difference with the Giants is they got better on defense as well. So now you're playing defense with with that upgraded offense. And they I were think, ranked 10th last year right. in the league. And I think that bumps them up. I think it's going to be a dogfight between them and the Cowboys. I think the, the Eagles are on their way up. Right. I, I really do. But, you know, I 
couple more years out of Carson Wentz. I think it might be sort of an up and down type of road for Carson Wentz. He's he's going to be one of those guys in several years, but I don't. He's not developing as rapidly as some other folks. But he's coming up. I think that just leaves the Redskins behind. They don't play any defense, and the weapons are just better on these other teams. Yeah, I agree. And we talked about when we previewed the NFC West. Arizona was going to be a playoff team that somebody has to be out. I think Dallas and the Giants are playoff teams again. I think whoever may be in the South, Atlanta won't be in the playoffs this year. Um, and Detroit, So I, I think, and you're looking at the Packers coming out of the North, and we both seem to think that Tampa's coming out of the South, and I think that's all you're getting out of those divisions this year. So that's where we're going. That's where I'm going anyway. Yeah, I can't disagree. All right. Well, our apologies to the Arena Sports Network. We are a little over time. But thanks so Alejandro, much. Alejandro, if he was here, Man. he'd have went like that. Yeah, somebody. Although you yelled at him every time he gave us time updates. <laughs> Recall, you didn't let you thought it was a secret language between him and I mocking you. But thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to the Arena Sports Network. Check them out, arenasportsnet.com. Check out all our Hall of Fame pictures, video, audio. Don't forget on our next show, Johnny Reed Foley, country country music star. Don't miss that. At Asylum Football on Twitter, AsylumFantasySports.com. Bringing the mailbag back back next week. Asylum questions in now. AsylumFootball at gmail.com. Send those in. Until next time, I'm out of breath. We'll see you. Take care. I know that they